that you got the victory tonight. Somebody shout if you got the victory tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God, just remain right where you're at in this posture of worship. I want Brother Trevor Sloss to come and deliver the word of the Lord tonight. How many of you came in with expectancy in your spirit for what God's going to do tonight? Put your hands together one more time and give God a great praise as he comes. Come on, can we give God one more shout of praise in this house? Oh, come on, can we give him a shout of praise in this house? Yeah! You can just remain where you are. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be long at all. Thank you, Pastor Williams, for trusting me. Thank you, Sister Williams, for just being you. Um, I want to go ahead and jump right into the word of the Lord. Let's just remain in this posture of worship right here. I really feel like God wants to do something tonight. We're turning into the book of Numbers chapter 13. And we'll begin reading at verse 25. Thank you, Jesus. When you have it, said, amen. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregations of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the mountains, and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to, to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Anybody remember what Pastor preached on Tuesday night? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which, came, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. For just a few moments, I want to preach to us tonight on this idea. I am not a grasshopper. It's very simple, but I want you to look at your neighbor real quick and tell him, I'm not a grasshopper. Look at the other neighbor that really believes it and say, I am not a grasshopper. Amen. You can be seated. To give a little context, we're talking about 400 years that the children of Israel were enslaved. We're talking about 400 years of generations that were always being told what to do and when to do it. We're talking about 400 years of being told that they're nobody. 400 years of being the outcast. 400 years of being pushed down. 
We're talking about generations of a mindset that says they'll never be enough. A generation of mindsets that says they'll never be able to be what God wants them to be. I don't know about you, but I felt that at times where I feel like the devil comes at me and just says, you'll never be enough. Your daddy wasn't anybody. Your mama struggled. Your grandfather struggled. Your grandmama, apparently that's just me. That I, I struggled sometimes. I still struggle sometimes with the idea that I am able. Because God is able. It's not easy to get this mentality out of people that have experienced this nonstop. They don't know any different. They, they don't know any different. They don't know what freedom looks like anymore. They don't know what it means to be on top. They don't know what it means to be the head and not the tail. They don't know what it means to be the lender and not the borrower. They've spent their entire lives being told what to do. They spent their entire lives under the thumb of slavery. It's no wonder that we see when they come to their first obstacle on their exit out of Egypt, they immediately go into a frenzy. The very first thing that happens... They come to the Red Sea and they immediately start blaming Moses and say, you brought us out here to die. You brought, you, weren't there graves enough in Egypt? Wasn't there enough places for us to just live our lives out and die? Not realizing that they are now free. You can take someone out of Egypt, but it's a lot more difficult to get Egypt out of somebody. This is the first time that we see God, that we see God show himself strong. He says to Moses, go forward. What's in your hand? Stretch it out over the water and go forward. They go over to the other side and they begin to sing praises because God has drowned the horse and his rider into the sea. Anybody ever been there sometimes? A Sunday night service is red hot and you feel like I can walk on top of the world. You get out of service and you feel like can't nothing hold me down. I've got to go higher. Over and over again, though, we see that they keep coming to this place of doubt. God has brought, God literally, I know, I know for us to think about it today, it's a little bit difficult. But even back then, think about waters literally being parted. And the idea that they're, they're walking through and their feet aren't sinking into the mud. They're walking through on dry ground. And we're not talking about a couple hundred people or a couple hundred thousand people. Scholars estimate that it was somewhere between two to six million people in the Exodus. We're not talking about a quick five-minute journey across the way. And somehow they didn't catch up to him. God is still showing himself strong. We see this play out again when they come to the waters of Mara. They come and they're thirsty. It's been three days since they've come, since they've gone over the Red Sea. Three days. Now, I started to think about this. It's interesting because pretty much everybody gives the children of Israel a bad rap. We, we bag on them all the time. Man, they're complaining. They just saw God work miracles. They just saw God. They're in the desert Presumably without water. We can't even go five minutes sometimes without having a drink of water. And we start complaining. We can't even fast a full day. 
And we expect them to be all right. Oh, yeah, everything's great. We're walking through, I don't know, fields of lilies, daisies. They're in the desert without water. What do you expect? <laughs> they don't, they, we know how that turns out. Pastor just preached about it. Take the tree, throw it into the, into the water, and the water becomes sweet, and they're able to drink it. But we don't make it a few more days when all of a sudden food seems to be gone. And again, they go to Moses and they start complaining. Actually, they don't go to Moses. They're complaining and murmuring behind his back. And they start to say, really? So we've made it this far, and now we don't have any food. It's interesting because it's like every time they get to a certain point in their journey, it's like we've made it this far, and you've brought us here to die. Instead of, we've made it this far and there's still no sight of Egyptians. We've made it this far and there's still no sight of slavery. We've made it this far and we're still free. I don't want to get bogged down too much, but we, we know the story. They, get, they finally get to the place of promise. They get to the land that God has promised them. Remember, these people are coming out of a slave mentality. That nothing is their own. Everything that they have is given to them. They're on borrowed time. They're on borrowed property. The food is not theirs. And so God says, God's taking them from a slave mentality to a king mentality. God's taking them from the very bottom and placing them on the very top. And so he's got to get a lot of junk out of them before he can actually take them into the city. So they get to the city. Moses decides to send out his spies, and this is where we're at. He asks them four things. This is what he wants to know. He wants to know about the people. He wants to know about the cities in the land. He wants to know about the type of housing. And he wants to know about the resources and the crops. He says, are the people strong or weak? Are there many or few? Is the land good or bad? Are the cities a bunch of tents or are they walled fortresses? Is the land productive or is it lean? Is there a lot of trees? Is there a lot of resources or is it barren? Nowhere in this list of requirements or this list of recommendations do I see him say, are we able to take the land? Nowhere in this list do I see him say, what do you think about our, about our ability to overcome? What are your thoughts on, on whether or not we can take what God has already promised us? In Moses' mind, it was already a given. It should have been that way in the people's minds, and yet they still struggled with doubt. I don't blame them, though, because I was that way, too, when I came out of sin. When I came out of sin, I still struggled with doubt and said, can God really make something out of this? Can God really take this lump of clay and make a beautiful masterpiece? Can God really take these broken pieces and make something worthwhile? But because of the majority, because of the, the, the overwhelming voices that said we were not enough, See, in my mind, I don't know about you, but I always kind of thought that the spies were like separate people. Like they, they weren't really a part of the children of Israel. But the reality is, is that they were just as much a part of that journey as the rest of them were. 
And so they had the same opportunities. And yet only two of them came out and said, no, 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 no. We're more than able. They believed the voice of their shepherd and said, if God, whatever God told you, whatever God told you, Bishop, that's what we're going to be able to do. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. It doesn't matter what my measuring stick. By the way I'm seeing it, there's no way we can take it. In verse 29 of Numbers chapter 13, they said the Amalekites, well, back up to verse 28. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Verse 29 says, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell on the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea. No matter which way we take this approach, no matter which way we look at it, no matter how, how we strategize, there's trouble on every side. No matter what, no matter how I perceive it, in the best case scenario, we're going to have to come up against a people that are greater than us. We're going to have to come up against the people that are stronger than we are. And yet Caleb and Joshua still said, we are well able. Joshua and Caleb gave the report. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by his spirit. It's nothing that we can do on our own. Bring us into a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. <laughs> fear not the people of the land. They're what's going to sustain us in the end. Their defense is departed from them. In their eyes, they saw that there was, they were defenseless. Because there was nothing that they could do against the power of God. When you come up against a situation and God, is already, and God has brought you to that situation, you need to look at it and say, hmm, there seems to be no way that I can, I can fail. There seems to be no way that I won't come out victorious. Although it may look like I can't get around it or I can't go through it, I can't go underneath it or I can't go above it, God is still able. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of, the Israel, of Israel. Be careful when people don't support the vision that, you, that God gave you. And at the same time, don't stress about it. Because God gave you the vision. God didn't give that vision to them. I can't help it that you can't see that God's about to work the miraculous. I can't, you must not need God to do something for you. You must not have any need. I wish, I just wish they could have gotten a glimpse into the future. Where the scripture says that he'll make their enemies their footstool. I just, I just wish they could have gotten a glimpse into the future right before they were about to take over the walls, the, the, the city of Jericho. Where all that was required of them was for them to shout. All that God required of them was for them to walk around the city and to shout. 
If they had known this, I know hindsight's 2020, but if they had known this, could you imagine what the outcome or what the perspective would have been? All we got to do is shout. Are you kidding me? All I have to do is come to church and shout unto God. All I have to do is give him my worship. All I have to do is give him my, all I have to do is show up to the house of God and participate. All I have to do is give my first fruits. All I have to do is give my time, my talent, and my treasure, and God will make ways out of no way. But Numbers 13, 31 says, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Your flesh will always outweigh your spirit when you're thinking carnally. Every time, every single time when you're, when you're in the flesh and you're thinking carnally, your flesh will always come out on top. There, there just will be no way. We're not able. Because they couldn't see through the lens of the spirit. Where God says, ye are more than able. You are more than conquerors. It's funny because we, we just think about their lack of faith as, as just another testament to their struggle. But when you think about the lack of faith when God specifically told them, a God that cannot lie. A God that doesn't make mistakes. Who brought them there with a purpose. When they look at him and say, there's no way we can do this. What kind of a testimony is that? When we come into the house of God and we, we serve the God that moves mountains. We serve a God that raises the dead. And we look at our situation. We look at our problem and we say there just is no way. There just is no way that God can bring my family to church. I've tried for over 20 years. I've prayed for my family members. I've prayed for my brother. I've prayed for my sister. I've prayed for a raise on my job. I prayed for that coworker of mine. There just is no way. What kind of a slap in the face is it to God that, that, that said, let there be? What kind of a slap in the face is it to God who said, you're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. When we come in here and we say, this is just too great. This is just too great a problem. This is just too great an obstacle for me or apparently for him to overcome. But again, this is it's the mentality that they had to get rid of. It was the years and years of thinking that they would never be enough. And because of their lack of faith, God caused them to wander continuously until the generation that said that we wouldn't be able to was completely passed away. If you're not careful, God will raise up another generation that will believe in his promise. If you're not careful, God will raise up somebody from the outside and say, come on in. Come on into the promise that they forsook. Come on into the promise that they couldn't get a hold of. Sometimes he's simply waiting for you to get your flesh out of the way. Sometimes he's just waiting for you to finally realize that he is well able. It's interesting. They said, we saw the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. The way that they saw themselves was the thing that was hindering them from progressing. 
The way that they saw the situation and the way that they perceived their strength, their numbers, is what caused them, is what caused them to, to, to fall back. And he said, and they said, and so we were in their sight. I don't, I don't read where they gave their opinion and said, yeah, you guys aren't able. I don't read that in the Bible. I don't read, I don't read where, where, where the Amalekites said, you guys are puny. Where they said, because of your father, because of your mother, because of your past, you're not able to take it. Somebody else's perception of you is one thing. And your perception of you is another. But let me tell you today that the only perception of you that really matters is the one that God has. The only perception that will ever make a difference in your life is the way that God sees you. Simon Peter struggled all of his life. He was a sailor. He, he had a foul mouth. And yet when he had the revelation that Jesus was God, God looked at him, looked at him and called him Peter. And he said, upon this rock. God identified who Simon was. His name was Simon, but God gave him the name Peter. The only thing that mattered from then on was that his name was Peter. The only thing that matters once you get out of Egypt and when you cross over into Canaan is that you are a child of God and that he is well able. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Another place we find this is with Gideon. He was shocked to hear that he was a mighty man of valor. This was news to him. He was hiding behind, he was hiding behind a, the threshing floor and he was threshing wheat. And the angel peers out of nowhere and says, Hail thou mighty man of valor. Me? What, what you talking about, Willie? You talking to me? Mighty man of who? Hail thou mighty man of valor. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. I can, it's just, it's interesting sometimes. How, 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 how God over and over and over again can confirm his word in our lives and yet we still feel like we're not enough. It's, it's the fallen nature of man. It's, it's our humanity. Gideon said unto him, oh, my Lord. I, that's probably not how that reads, but that's how it is in my mind. If the Lord be with us, then why is, us all, why is all of this befallen us? They're in captivity. They're underneath the rule of, I can't remember who it is, the Midianites. And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the... It's the same cycle over and over again. It's the same thing. He heard about the stories. He heard about how, how God healed the leper. He heard about how God healed Brother Judah and how God protected him. He heard about how God provided for Sister Poindexter. They heard about how God made ways for other people. And it's as if the angel just ignores him. 
hearts. And the Lord looked on him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? What might? What strength? There seems to be nothing in sight. If we had more faith in the God who said, let there be, then we wouldn't question when he tells us what to do. We wouldn't even, we wouldn't even have a second thought. If the Lord told you to go witness to that person, if the Lord told you to go start that business, if the Lord told you to get on your hands and knees and have spiritual warfare, you wouldn't even think twice if you read the end of the book. If you only knew the God that you served, Gideon, you wouldn't even be asking the question, where is he? Are we able? You wouldn't even be asking. Music, you can come. I find it interesting that a small part of the children of Israel, we're talking about ten people. A small part of the children of Israel defined, or they, they spoke for everybody. Ten people spoke for three million people and said, yeah, we're grasshoppers in their sight. I wish to God that there would be somebody in here that would say, my flesh isn't going to hold me down. I wish to God that there would be somebody in here that would rise up in the spirit and say, you know what? In my flesh, I might not be able to overcome. In my flesh, I might not be able to have victory. In my flesh, I may be a nobody. But with the help of the Lord, with the help of the Lord, I am well able. I wish to God that you would stand in this house and you would declare the greatness of your God. Come on, he is able. He is well able to do exceeding abundantly above what we could ask or even think. Heard one preacher say, put your stinking thinking aside. Leave your measuring tapes at the door. Leave your small-minded mentality outside. In this house, miracles happen. When you step into this house, change break. When you step into this house, anything is possible. Woo. Woo. God told Moses, what's in your hand? What do you possess in your hand right now? He asked him, God, I don't know what to do. You see, this is, this is kind of a cycle with Moses. He keeps coming back to God and he prays the people this, the people that. We need this, we need that. And over and over again, God says, what's in your hand? What have I already put inside of you? Does anybody have the Holy Ghost in here tonight? Has anybody been filled with the Spirit of the Lord? What's inside of you? What do you possess with the simple word Jesus? With the name of Jesus, mountains move. With the name of Jesus, healing takes place. With the name of Jesus, miracles can happen. What's in your hand, Moses? Whoa. The same thing with Joshua. Joshua had the rod in his hand. And this time, he didn't have to stretch it out. All he had to do was take the step. All he had to do was walk up to the Jordan River, put his foot in. As soon as he did, the river parted and they were able to cross over. 
What's in your hand tonight? I wonder if for just a few moments, you could get that thing in your mind. I may not be preaching to the majority. I may be preaching to the minority. But if you can just close your eyes for just a moment. And whatever that thing is that God told you. That family member that is still lost. That family member that's still on the fringes. That, that financial breakthrough God told you about years ago. That house that God said would be provided for you. Oh, that salvation that God said would come. The deliverance that God said would come. The healing, the mental healing, the physical healing that God said would happen. I want you to get that in your mind and put it up against God. And ask yourself the question, can this be? Can this happen? Is God able? And if your answer is no, then you need to change your thinking around and realize how big your God is. You need to realize just how great He is and just how wonderful His works are. Come on, your God has not failed yet. Your God still owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Your God still is the God of miracles. Your God is still the God of signs and wonders. Come on, get that thing in your mind. Jesus, you're well able. You're well able, Jesus. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what everybody else says. I don't care how it measures up. You're able. You're able, Jesus. You're able, Jesus. Come on, God wants to do it tonight. God wants to do it. He's waiting. He's waiting for you to get your flesh out of the way. He's waiting for you to get your small-minded thinking out of the way. What is it that God can't do? What is it that God can't do? Come on, you serve a God that is well able. You serve a God that is well able. children of Israel come to the walls of Jericho God gives the instructions you're gonna take seven days you're gonna walk around once every day on the seventh day you're gonna walk around seven times and at the end of it you're gonna shout at the end of it you're gonna shout all it took was their obedience and their shout had power all it took was them finally submitting and say okay whatever you say Whatever you say, if you say that I need to shout, then I'm going to shout. I can get in my mind's eye them, them, crossing, them crossing the river and them starting to walk around. And everything that they had gone through had finally led up to this moment. 
daddy wasn't enough. Mama wasn't enough. I used to be in bondage. I used to be held down. I used to be the tail. But they finally got to this point where all of a sudden the horns began to blow and they said, shout! And when they shouted, those walls just came crumbling down. Walls of depression, walls of fear, walls of suicide, walls of inadequacy, walls of financial... You ought to shout in this house. You ought to shout in this place until the walls come crumbling down. You ought to shout until your breakthrough happens. You ought to shout until your mirror. You ought to shout with a voice of triumph. Not a voice of defeat, not a voice of low self-esteem, but a voice of triumph. Yes! You're more than able! You're more than able! I am not a grasshopper. I am more than enough through Christ Jesus. I am more than a conqueror. I am able. Come on, somebody ought to wrap back and just walk in victory tonight. Somebody ought to lift your voice and declare, I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I'm above and I'm not beneath. I'm the lender and I'm not the borrower. Yes, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Yes, got to go high.